bitches bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Bailey. And I'm Erica. Guys, it has been a week. <laughs> well, it was a, yeah. It's been like a, like a week. Yeah. <laughs> like it yeah. went like, it was like just sort of plodding along. It and, was. Then, and I was really concerned that we'd have no content for the pod. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden I'm crying because there's too much. There's way too much. Um, but how have your weeks been otherwise? What about you, Erica? Erica, tell us. How's your week been? Okay, so... How's your past three days been? Oh, my God. Okay, so I was unwittingly duped by boyfriend into, like, a... (laughs) A duping. Yeah. A boyfriend duping. A boyfriend duping Uh into, like, a keto diet. And so... We're just sitting on the we're sitting on the back porch and all we were doing was talking about yeah I totally want to eat better yeah I totally want to eat better and then he's like okay well you know let's go to the grocery store and get some stuff so I'm like okay so we go to the grocery store get some stuff whatever whatever and so he's feeding me for the past like two and a half three days right and what I didn't realize is that he wasn't feeding me carbs. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Like, so yesterday, I, I'm i like, I think I ate him. <laughs> because I got into full keto flu, which is like you, you, your body misses the carbs, you used to feed it, and it has to readjust, and that adjustment has been it's like... A, it's like a detox. Yeah, it's like headache, you're thirsty all the time, I'm bloated, um, like... I, feel, I felt like a truck ran me over. Oh, my God. And I was just like, and he said, yeah, you're full keto flu. And then I started sniffling. And he's like, there it is. Oh, my God. And you're like, like junk sick. Sounds awful. Yeah. What is the end, like, what's the end product? What are uh, going to be better off doing a juice cleanse? <laughs> Some, that I become a fat burner instead of a sugar burner. Oh. So that's the purpose. Okay. So that okay. You're, you starve your body of... Um, a lot of the the sugar that it would easily use for energy, so it goes to fat. I love sugar. So do I. I actually <laughs> have a sweet tooth, so this is very painful. Yeah. And I have my Starbucks here. No sugar. No sugar. I'm only allowed um, 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 a bold coffee with um, 35% cream or something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's a lot of dairy involved. Look at your face. <laughs> Show your face. Aaron's face is. Oh I just a lot of horror. Well, especially like you usually have like a latte with flavor. Yeah. Not anymore. Apparently. Well, I used to only have lattes and stuff, and then, then when I couldn't drink dairy anymore, hmm. I just now just drink black coffee. Mm-hmm. That's hardcore. Well, or like I'm... an almond milk latte if I'm splurging. <laughs> Uh, what have you been up to, Erin? Um, I taught a million spin classes this week. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's, that's really about it. Not a whole lot. I uh, I uh, decided to go to the doctor because I can fall asleep literally anywhere and I'm just always tired. I, I've seen you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been with you and you've just fallen asleep. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we were at the Arcade Fire Show at the Canadian Tire Center. <laughs> no. we, had, we had seats. And I fell asleep three times. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And so what are they going to do? So they, we took some blood. Good. Um, but like, I don't know. She's then the doctor was like, maybe you should just sleep more. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I was like, well, like, like kind of go to bed between 10 and 11 on a weeknight. But don't you wake up? You wake up super early. I wake early. up at six. But Sometimes like, you wake up at like five though. Only if I'm teaching spin in the morning, which is once a week. That's early. That's like the middle of the night. This is white people time. <laughs> I just want to say, like this, this five o'clock. <laughs> yeah, Bailey's like. <laughs> I'm often awake at five a.m., but it's because I haven't fallen asleep like from the night yet. Mm-hmm. No, well, that's yeah. the insomnia though. Right. Yeah. So that's that's been my week. Not not nothing super exciting. Well, that's good. Yeah. What about yours? Um, well, I hit my 200th day of sobriety. Oh, yeah. We yes. saw your Medium article. Yes. So if you want to read about um, <laughs> how that was, <laughs> you can check me out on Medium. And we'll, we can post the article on our Facebook page, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that was, that's was that been cool. A lot of people have, like, reached out privately. Mm-hmm. Like, well, there was a lot of support publicly, but also a lot of private support, too. So... All of you that like reached out, thank you. Aww, yeah, so cute. I like that. And uh, yeah, it was it's been good. I, we had like somebody commented like, oh, like I've thought about living an alcohol free lifestyle, but I'm worried I won't get invited to things and like I'll miss out on the fun. And just want to let you know if you're considering an alcohol free lifestyle, you don't miss out on the fun. Also, if your friends are, yeah doing it support them because yeah. there's probably a reason why and yeah. don't be an asshole yeah exactly i mean i don't know are you guys having fun without me <laughs> are you guys like doing no. stuff and not inviting me no i have, no. To, go, I have to go to bed at 10 <laughs> so, and, and, and remember i'm living now a keto lifestyle that's true so yeah, i i am no fun either yeah, well, okay tons of sugar and alcohol so I exactly can't yeah no oh oh the alcohol oh that's cute no i'm allowed bourbon <laughs> Hey, that's about it. That's a great option. Yeah, I've okay. Had, I, and I have had some time. I, as a Caribbean woman, cannot drink rum. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hard. That is hard. That's and hard. I'm just going to be like, and you know what the thing is? Now I'm afraid to eat carbs because I feel like it's just going to plow me over and I'm, I'll get into like some kind of sugar coma I won't be able to rise from. <laughs> it's been three days. I know. <laughs> Well, once you get cleansed, though, it's like the gluten. You can't go back. Yeah, I did a, I did a month, this thing called the Real Food Reset in February. Oh. And it was great. It was really hard just to, like, plan meals and everything. And I felt great. But, like, it was hard to keep up after. I kept it up for, like, two or three weeks following the, the completion of the program. But yeah. then I was like, well, I'm lazy. And, uh, yeah, it's really hard. Very Especially by yourself. Also, yeah. we, we were published in Policy Options this week. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. How did, that's oh right. my gosh, how it did was, we forget? It was a week. Oh, uh, So that's also on our Facebook That was page. just on Wednesday. That was, <laughs> a lot has happened you know since. I've aged a lot in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can check that out on, uh, your face, on our Facebook page, and then hopefully there will be more to come. Yeah. TBD. Yes, TBD. check Great it out. Food. Check it out. All right. All right. Let's get into it. This week in feminism. Guys, we're going to start with my favorite, favorite hate person. <laughs> I was going to say hate follow. It's not a hate follow. Actually, no, that's not true. I hate follow her on Instagram. Oh, I can't even. Well, okay. Who are we talking about? Uh, Ivanka Trump. Yes. And like, I can't even imagine. I feel like her Instagram would be more annoying than like Blake Lively's. 
I follow her too, but she doesn't come up on my on my algorithm Instagram wow. yeah. thing. Probably because she's just like posting like twine crafts. Yeah. And I bet you don't like twine crafts. <laughs> and I follow <laughs> Tiffany. But they're I follow for, Tiffany like, too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I follow Tiffany too, and they don't they just don't pop up on my Instagram. Uh, that yeah. algorithm. It's powerful. I'm telling you. Um, so anyway, Ivanka was on Dr. Oz this week, and for whatever reason, Dr. Oz is like the medical expert of the Trump administration. If, <laughs> if you'll remember, that's where Trump went on during the campaign to admit that he was fully healthy. Right. But like, Dr. Oz is like the least credible of all the doctors. Uh, maybe not, because we do have Ben Carson Remember when that that bachelor was a, like on the bachelor? He was a doctor. And now he's on that show, The Doctors. Yes, yes. yes. I don't know. Sometimes and I worry Ben about Carson his actually separated conjoined twins. Like he actually did that. <laughs> like that's been recorded. Yeah. Well, um, Doctor Oz. Anyway, is Doctor so... is Doctor Phil their marriage counselor? Like Melania <laughs> and Trump see Doctor Phil like once a week to talk about Melania's. Like I mean, I feel like he's really controlling. It seems like they like questionable doctors, so Probably. they have a questionable relationship with facts in general. So <laughs> They question medicine in general. There you go. Anyway, so Ivanka admitted that following each of her pregnancies, she had dealt with some level of postpartum depression. Um, she says, quote, it was, very, it was a very challenging emotional time for me because I felt like I was not living up to my potential as a parent or as an entrepreneur and an, and an executive. And I had such an, such easy pregnancies that in some way the juxtaposition hit me even harder. Look, I consider myself a hard-charging person. I'm ambitious, I'm passionate, I'm driven, but this is something that affects parents all over the country. Uh, and you know what? I will give her credit for admitting this because yeah. like, this is a real issue that a lot of women deal with. Yeah. And even their partners having to work with their part- their, the, the mothers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so gr- great on her for sharing this but i find like what she was saying to be a little problematic hmm in what way two reasons um and i know that we've talked about this before but like it seems like she was glorifying um going back to work early and trying Mm, to do it all and have everything yeah um and and she famously went back to work a week after one of her pregnancies yeah and for a long time her her um, fashion company didn't have maternity leave, and she didn't understand why that was a policy that they needed to have. Right. So, and then the second reason um, is that she was a big advocate of having a family leave plan, and there is one in the Trump administration's budget for this year, which has not been passed. Hmm. Um, but the budget included six week six weeks of leave for parents. Well, that's not a very long time. It's not, and like anything. I have a whole bunch of other issues with like parental leave in America but like in this instance it seems like she's she's talking about having women go back to work early maybe when they shouldn't be mm-hmm. especially when they've like one like they need to be around their I don't understand American yeah. parental leave policies but like yeah I just don't think that I think that it's the conversation around postpartum depression is important but if we're sending women back to work six weeks later are they equipped emotionally physically to do that yeah. Well, and I think it was a, I mean, 
I, I agree. Like, I think we need to be talking about postpartum depression a lot more than we do. And I think, like, there's also, like, when she said some level of postpartum depression, I think there's also, like, there's a difference in that your hormones are changing. So you're, like, you might feel depressed, but, like, it's not necessarily the postpartum. Like, I think postpartum is a pretty intense clinical... Yeah. So, you know, anyway, but I do, I think we need to give women way more time to be at home. And like, but she was like, I'm not living up to my potential as a parent or an entrepreneur. And yeah, it's, it's like, like she values herself I more like, as an entrepreneur. And maybe yeah. she felt like she wasn't, she felt d- disappointed or quote unquote depressed in herself because she wasn't able to be at the office for 14 hours a day. I don't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe that was the contributing factor to why she felt sad or disappointed well and again this is so like this is like rich white woman problems like if you're if you are a marginalized or racialized woman and you live below the poverty line or you know like that like postpartum is so far from even if you're not even the beginning you have no ability to like deal with that yeah child care is your big issue there yeah erica you look like you have thoughts i do have thoughts um (laughs) I, I find I find the idea of having it all just very entitled. Yes. Yeah. And that and you know, given that feminism has pushed this some feminists mm-hmm. hashtag not all feminists <laughs> have pushed this idea that women can have it all. I yeah. remember like in like Oprah time, she this was was a reoccurring theme. Like can women have it all? Mm-hmm. And can anybody really have it all? Yeah. Really? I mean, it's this it's this idea that I feel like there are two types of of ways of looking at women in work. Number one is more of there's like this little bit of a subservient um, attitude. If you think about who um, who cleans your microwave at work? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a woman. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I can guarantee like who takes care of the common areas? It's a woman, mm-hmm. and she might have the same job title as you. Yeah. But there's that. But on the other hand, there's this, yes, we can lead, which I totally, I get it. Like, yeah, we can lead. Yeah. But my question is, what is more on the lines of equity than equality? Yeah. So for a woman to lead, she's going to need, and you and having it all means the expectations are that she has a man, she has a husband, mm-hmm. she has a family. She has this super executive career. She lives in the right neighborhood. She sends her kids to the right school. She can afford childcare. She can afford childcare. They're all doing well at school. Mm-hmm. They're all getting straight A's. Like who the fuck thought that this was like something to aspire to? Yeah. yeah. What about like identity and 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 like self-actualization and shit yeah. like that. Like I think that that's an important <laughs> question. Like what if I don't want it all? Like I yeah. I don't like I think I would have a really happy life not working and staying home with my kids and like fucking crafting and napping and cooking <laughs> and cleaning. <laughs> like I know that sounds like a 1950s throwback, but like I think I would feel really happy and maybe I would go and volunteer at my kid's school or in the community and 
you know, go to fucking yoga every day. Like, I would I would be happy. Live your you best know? life, Bailey. You know what? Actually, <laughs> like, actually. I don't um, want it all. <laughs> there's this woman named, oh, shoot. She she writes for Fresh Off the Boat. She's a comedian. She, her name's Ali Wong, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think. And I just watched her, <laughs> me and my boyfriend were sitting there watching her, like, her stand-up. She has a stand-up yeah. special on Netflix. Yeah, she was pregnant. Watch it. And... Oh, okay. she's, she's, like, fully seven and a half months pregnant. It is hilarious. She is so good. And she talks about living the dream. Yeah. And how living the dream is not having to go through all this shit. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And exactly. I wonder how much... Mm. Of like Ivanka is obviously crafted in the image of your um, lean-in woman um, yeah, Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, she's very Hillary Clinton next gen if you really think about it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, not politically. I'm just talking about the image, right? Yeah, like career Barbie. Career Barbie, right? Yeah, yeah. And great, fine, well, and good. But I really wonder how many millennial aged women kind of look at the struggles their mothers went through and they're like you know what i don't know if i want it all yeah i don't know about this there was actually an article in the cut recently Mm -hmm. that talked about women who so-called have it all they have the man they have the this they have the that and they end up cheating anyway oh yeah there was it was like why women cheat? why women cheat or something and i'm like this is the most entitled bullshit I've heard in a long time. Mm. I, I just, when does the entitlement stop? Mm. The reality begin? And when are we stop gonna cra- going to craft all of these things into how far you've come to having it all? Yeah. Because that puts an extra stress on women. Yeah, and yeah. like these societal expectations of what having it all looks like are just so fucking bullshit. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like... As long as I'm happy, then I have it all. Exactly, exactly. Well, and there's a lot of women who's having it all is just being an entrepreneur and, like, you know, a a woman with a big career, and that's really fulfilling, and she doesn't want the partner and the kids, and, like, that doesn't have to be part of it all either. Like, kids are a lot of work. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. Marriage. And a commitment. Like, if you want to have a white couch and you're having it all, (laughs) you probably don't want to have kids. Or I know that's Dove bullshit. Gray coach. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think I think relationships are a lot of work, and I think that work is a lot of work, and I yeah. think that we're fooling everybody if we don't think that we have to make sacrifices yeah. and trade offs. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yep. I'm here for being real about the trade offs. Totally. Well, and my having it all means just painting my condo millennial pink and doing yoga all day. So, there. There. <laughs> so thank there. you. Are you gonna do your, but are you going to do your yoga in front of your TV or like are you going to go to like a fancy yoga studio? Well, I'm going to go to a fancy yoga studio. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to get rid of my TV and I'm going to put a woven wall hanging in its place. <laughs> <laughs> but then where are you going to watch your Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh my Ooh. god. Okay, wait. I just have to say that the worlds collided last week with the do Dallas you know, Cowboys cheerleaders. I saw cheerleaders. that on Netflix and I was like, "Do I?" Because exactly, because they're rivals from North Carolina, the girls from Hamilton, the Guelph, I mean, that, that, that cheer squad, they, their rivals won the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders wow award last week. And I really? was like, oh I my have God. no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys should really watch cheer squad. Apparently. On, on I'm finishing Star. 
I'm on oh my episode God. Best nine. Best show ever. Best show ever. <laughs> I love that show. She, she's She just got kicked out of the group. Oh, my God. No spoilers. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they don't even know who she is. <laughs> All right. Okay. What are we going to talk about next? <laughs> yeah, what is next? Uh, we're going to talk about Justin Trudeau at the UN. Oh, everybody's bae. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Sophie feels like she has that off? If she doesn't, she's real close. Yeah. But what? <laughs> I mean, she's pretty much living there. Well, they have two nannies, don't they? I don't know. They had a whole controversy now of nannies. <laughs> I mean, they get to go on like $20,000 vacations to the Bahamas. Has she ever <laughs> not had it all? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like she had a horse when she was growing up. I feel like like she did. She looks like the kind of girl that had a horse. Yeah, she does. She does. Uh, Okay, so back to our bae. PMJT, he uh, delivered a speech on indigenous issues to the United Nations General Assembly this week. Um, He has gone to great lengths promoting his government's re-engagement with the UN uh, following the Harper-era years, and to uh, similar lengths promoting reconciliation with the First Nations, Inuit, and Métis. Weaving these themes together was a unique chance to play both to voters Mm -hmm. at home and Mm -hmm. to world leaders Mm -hmm. in New York, uh, where Canada is lobbying real hard to get a seat on the UN Security Council in 2021. Yeah. Um, He also said while at the UN, quote, For Indigenous peoples, it means taking a hard look at how they define and govern themselves as nations and governments and how they seek to relate to other orders of government. Hmm. Um, He continued saying um, that, in a way, um, that left no doubt that he doesn't see the current array of Indigenous governments and organizations as sufficient to forging a better working relationship with Ottawa. Um, Pam Palmeter chair of the Indigenous Government at Ryerson University in Toronto, said that Trudeau talked only as of past sins glossing over uh, the continued shortcomings of his and other governments in meeting the challenges faced by Indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, quote, while liberals are un- the Liberals are unafraid to talk about reconciliation, their version precludes questioning of le- the legitimacy of the Canadian state that has been in perpetual violation of its own treaties since Confederation. Liberal recognition takes pride in, in Indigenous representation to ensure that the cabinet, quote, looks like Canada, end quote, while ignoring the structured band councils, sorry, while endured, in, ignoring Indigenous governance and instead favoring tepid consultations with federally structured band councils and the Assembly of First Nations. It gazes adoringly at Indigenous children singing, yet betrays those same children by failing to comply with human rights rulings vital to their welfare. And then she goes on talking about other um, things that the the Justin Trudeau government does or fails to acknowledge. Or fails to do. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Pam Palmerter is amazing. Um, And I think she hits the nail right on the head. Like, you know, he's he's talking a lot about reconciliation and, you know, he's he's doing the same thing with feminism. He's paying a lot of lip service to the things that he knows need to be changed. But then when you look at like, I mean, I'm pretty sure his government when they were in the election cycle had promised that by the end of his first year or whatever they were gonna get rid of like i don't know 30 percent or 50 percent of the drinking water advisories um in indigenous communities and i don't think they've gotten rid of one you know and i i think 
probably maybe when he was making these election promises, it's possible he didn't understand the complexities of some of these issues. Like, I think... And I think that happened. That's not an uncommon thing. Yeah, exactly. But, like, what is he doing? Like, are we are we putting money into infrastructure? Are there RFPs out there to see, like, you know, civil engineering projects? Like, that they're looking... Like, what's happening? Would it... Would it make a difference if he acknowledged that there were complexities that he hadn't anticipated and was like, you know, like, I didn't realize that this was going to be so hard, but we're doing X, Y, Z, said? I don't know. I think, I think it's, it's, it's just amazing to me. Um, I, I, I really do see his sort of increasing isolation from the greater conversation. Mm. And... I can tell that it's because he has handlers who keep him from that. Last, I think it was, when was, when did um, Black Lives Matter stop the parade? Was it last year? In Toronto? In Toronto? It was 2016, yeah. Yeah. Um, The the Gay Pride Parade. The Gay Pride Parade. He came out a little later in his Peter, was his Peter Mansbridge interview where he's like, yes, you must continue to challenge us, da, 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 da. He, it felt to me like he was weighing in on the conversation. I find that he just seems to be behind in a way. Like, we're all, like, I, I find that for my my feed, probably your feed, I mean, obviously it's very curated, our feeds, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel as though some of the loudest Indigenous voices are basically saying you're window dressing Mm -hmm. and um as a black person i i i was like "Ah, he's window dressing (laughs) he has a brand he has to protect and that brand is going to what he sees is going to lead him into the next election and this brand has been carefully quafted but it's not really as responsive as it used to be So basically what I'm saying is I think that because the UN has has over, like even this year, has recently slapped us on the wrist in Canada and said, yo, what you're doing for Indigenous people is not good enough. Yeah. Then he has to kind of rebrand and wear that cloak again like he did in during during Canada Day. Remember the TP thing? Yeah. And that is his response to indigenous issues is to window dress in indigenous garments like like Pam Ms. Palmer said. Yeah. And yeah. and basically said window dress for us and dance in our culture, yeah. but you do nothing. And yeah. it's the same thing that black people in the US said about basically every presidency. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's the yeah. same type of thing. Yeah. Well, and it does seem like he's happy to go to like the the you know the throat singing and the the TP protests and which or the TP ceremony mm-hmm. and like happy to do those things. But when it comes to like handling the hard issues for like the inquiry, which is just now a shit show, what he's going- like he's like oh that's Minister Bennett that you know kind of like a hot potato over to Carolyn Bennett and she's like I don't fucking know. Well, which part of <laughs> INAC is she running? Because well, they yeah, just split so, it in two. Exactly. So now it's split down. Uh, she's doing here. reconciliation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh no no the reconciliation is apparently at PCO at the Privy Council. Right. Office. So that got moved to PCO and then so then there's like 
Jane Philpot, who's doing health, health and, and infrastructure. infrastructure for indigenous communities. And then, well, yeah, who okay. even knows? I guess so Carolyn's like go. literally just doing the inquiry. <laughs> or no, but, that moved to PCO too, right? Yeah. yeah. But, well, but, this is, but this is the problem is that is that now nobody really has a responsibility for any part right, of this file. Right, because now it's all just hopping Because now, now it's just... Like 10 and, people and in the Stella Ella Ola circle. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. There you go. I don't know. (laughs) Nobody has responsibility for anything. He wants to throw down the gauntlet and say, and and I don't like this finger waving to indigenous people either. This you and your governance need to get your shit together. No, bitch, you need to get your shit together. My goodness. They just split INAC down the. I don't even know why they call it INAC anymore anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay, somebody's going to be like, it's ANDC. And I'm just going to be like, shut up. Anyway. It's not ANDC, it's. Yeah. it's INAC there you go <laughs> and and so he split INAC down the middle one to deal with services the other to deal with I guess infrastructure or, or... no it's services and infrastructure and then the crown and then the relations. crown relations with the with mm-hmm. the treaties right? Right, right okay but the treaties but okay I'm stepping so out of my lane right now so I'm going to acknowledge that I'm stepping out of my lane but I'm going to say shit anyway <laughs> and so you guys Anybody who is better on indigenous issues than me can totally, you know, tag me or whatever and correct me. That's fine. Okay. I'm good with that. At the end of the day. Just don't be a dick. Just don't be a dick about it. (laughs) At the end of the day, I feel like the treaty system that we have is based on Canada as the colonizer anyway. Yeah. And, and, and so you're, we're just... We are really just paying for a right to use this land. Yeah. Yeah. So let's remember that, Justy. Okay. <laughs> and so so that's one thing. The second thing is that I don't like the finger wagging. wagging. It's very colonialist. It's very white supremacist. Well, and federal governments have loved that for a long time. Yeah. And like, we gave me. you $2 million to fix the housing crisis. What the fuck's the problem? It's like, okay, well, $2 million built us three houses. In yeah. Of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's gone. Because things are expensive. Yeah. And they're like, well, maybe you're not managing your finances. Yeah. You indigenous I mean, people. There are issues in the bands for sure. Of course there but are. Like... But I see this divide and, and conquer type of idea. Like, we'll deal with the bands that we feel are good enough to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. But the other ones, well, you're going to have to answer to your people. And I'm like, that is so such a colonialist, colonialist British roadmap, British colonialist roadmap, that I'm like, you don't fucking get it, do you? Mm. You don't get that on one hand, you were like, oh, we're Canada. We've done, we're, we're do, he's doing this mea culpa, but really inside, it's this fucking finger wagging that I don't like. And it, it's just absolving him of any sort of, of, of responsibility. And I also noticed that the ministers in charge are, okay, in my opinion, they're meh, okay? At the end of the day, he has ministers to throw under the bus when this shit goes sideways. Yeah, well, and of course they're all women, so. Yeah, okay, so... That's my other point that I'm not even, I didn't even bring up, but they're all women. So yeah. he can go back and say, well, I tried. Yeah. Finger wagging. That's the shit I don't like. <laughs> I'm just saying. I got to listen to Chief Keefe now. I, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, 
Totally. Totally. Anyway, anyway that's my piece. <laughs> nice try, Justin, but I see your shit. Uh, so our next topic, Erica has named this free speech is only for white people and the ignorance of objectivity. Yeah. So do you want to, do you want to give a rundown of? Well, okay. So I was looking, so the Jameel Hill slash Trump slash sports shit hit the fan this morning. It's Saturday afternoon right now. And basically. Well, I guess it was last night. It was last night, technically, because he tweets at like two in the morning so. yeah well, um, and jameel hill's been embroiled for yeah a couple so of the jameel now. jameel hill espn controversy has been going on for a couple weeks now um she tweeted that trump was a white supremacist and then sarah huckabee sanders at a briefing last week said that that was a fireable offense because sarah huckabee sanders is now an hr expert <laughs> um as and, well as appearing on The View. Yeah, and we talked about this, I think, briefly <laughs> last week. But her dad needs to be her chaperone. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Um, and so, basically, that still hasn't gone away. ESPN didn't fire Jamel Hill. and um, But la- they did force her into an apology. Sure. You know what? If that's, like, she does I don't know that she needed to apologize, but I understand that, like, there are HR standards. Like, they have a brand they still need to uphold. Like well, I get, yeah. I, I think, and I think it. Americans are very hypersensitive about, about the president. Well, and they're just fair, like any president. Like there's a there's like a weird. Well, I mean, look at how the nation reacted with Kaepernick. You know, before any yeah. of this, like with just taking a knee during the anthem, like they're they're like. And as a person who grew up in the United States school system, it's because you're like so indoctrinated. From such a time so early, like, you know, in grade five, we did a school play of the history of the entire continent of America. Well, the entire country of America. And it was like we had to sing the grand old flag, uh, the the grapes of wrath. I don't know. Like, there's like hundreds of songs. And like, it's just like really like, it was called Sing America Sing. This is the play where I was Harriet Tubman. (laughs) (laughs) And Martin Luther King. So anyway, that was my role in the play. I auditioned for the role of Sojourner Truth, but I didn't get it. Uh, okay. Um, um, well, <laughs> anyway, back to Jimmy Last Hill. night, uh, Trump was at a, a rally for Big Luther Strange running for a, the Alabama Senate seat. And uh, Erica, what happened? He basically... Okay. <laughs> He um, told a crowd in Alabama that basically anybody who takes a knee should get off the field and be fired. And he told, he basically said that NFL owners had the right to remove them. Which, like, is the most ridiculous thing because they're in a fucking union. Yeah. Well, now you know why they have a union. Uh Like, I see why Trump doesn't have unions and doesn't support unions because, like, you can't just, like... He make things up and fire, fire people for literally no reason, such as a reality show that he once had. Yeah. And so then anyway, so since then, like this morning, after like everyone, I guess, picked up on this disaster of him calling them sons of bitches. Yes. He yes. called them son of a bitch. He called yeah. Kaepernick, Kaepernick, yeah, a, son yeah, of yeah, a, a son bitch. of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Fire yeah. these assholes, basically. Yeah. So like the media had a field day with this. Um, and since then... Everyone involved has come up with some sort of statement. 
the yeah. NFL Players Association has come out with a statement. Roger Goodell Roger has Roger Goodell had a statement. Who was actually friends with Trump? Yes, yes. I mean, it's bad when even Roger Goodell was like, well, fuck, great, me something to say. Roger Goodell is nobody, he's not friends with well, yeah, Trump. He's, he nope. just carries water for the NFL owners. Come I on. Mean, and he's paid hefty for it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when he looks like he's, you know, doing the the right thing, I feel like my thing is like, don't NFL owners have bigger fish to fry than whether or not their players are taking a knee to protest inequity in this country? Because like, people are getting such concussive trauma, brain injury that they're then murdering people and committing suicide. Oh, yeah. he had something to say about that too. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say about that? Wow. Let's just say he basically said that um, football went downhill when the violence went downhill. <gasps> well, that's because he had, he was, what did he, what, he owned what, an XFL? That oh, what? remember that? That was so yeah, fucking weird. Yeah, he used weird. to own a football league. Remember there was that XFL football league? And no, like, I don't remember. It had like, <laughs> it had like no rules. Like, you know how in the NFL now you can't tackle head to head and like, yeah. there's mm-hmm. like a lot of protective... It was... The XFL was like... It was like extreme football. It was extreme yeah, football, was, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so weird. How long did it last for? Like, it only lasted for like a, a few seasons. Yeah. yeah. It was really fucking weird. I, I'm looking it up right now. Okay, so the XFL was a professional American football league which played one season in 2001. It was operated as a joint venture between the World Wrestling Federation and NBC. So it was basically like a reality show of football. Yeah. So there you go. Um, anyway, I feel like, yeah. I, okay, so I'll pose the question again. Are you still going to watch football? Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't have to worry. I, like, I, I don't, I don't know. I like, Thursday. Like, between the concussive trauma injury and now this fucking shit, I don't know. Yeah, I know a lot of, like, I have some guy friends who are now boycotting um, my boyfriend still, he has like an existential crisis about it because he's in like two fantasy leagues. Well, I'm in a fantasy league too. So he was like, uh, the guy who like killed, like killed. Aaron was Hernandez. No, not, not oh. that one. The, um, the one before who was in the media. Anyway, he was like potentially going to be injured, but then wasn't. And so my boyfriend was like, great, like, from a fantasy perspective, like, that's awesome because, like, he can play and, like, get me points oh, and yeah. I can win, like, my week. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, but it's, like, hard to support the league because he abused his wife. Yeah. Well, that list is long. There's <laughs> I could name off several names. Girl, if I stopped watching sports for every guy who abused his wife, there would be none. Well, yeah. I mean, I do think this is a whole. Tennis? Oh, I don't know. No. That Andy Roddick. He's yeah. Got he doesn't play anymore. You know who looks aggressive as fuck? That Roger Federer. <laughs> He's Swedish. Well. Swiss. Or Swiss. 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 <laughs> fuck. It does. So I he's mean, neutral. He's always neutral. <laughs> I think it does. Yeah, but his mother's South African. It does so <laughs> a bigger existential question of like. Golf. Yeah. 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 Oh, Tiger. Fuck. Yeah, Tiger. See, but he's not playing anymore. I feel like if you if you if you have to live the life like of all like so then as feminists with them so okay so that we can't listen to music because except for like Ani DeFranco on repeat because women in song (laughs) women in song eighteen because everybody in the music industry is like violent and oppressive and misogynist. 
the sports situation, except for maybe golf post Tiger, is a like. It does. We, like, we can't watch you, movies or TV. Yeah. How do you balance? How do you balance? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let me see how. So tell us more about this objectivity myth. Okay. So basically, let's get back on track. track. Um, At the end of the day, um, there's been a real um, movement from the right on free speech, right? Yes, they love. And like, I think it's important to recognize right now that free speech in Canada versus free speech in America are very different Mm -hmm. because in Canada, hate speech is illegal. That's right. But it's It's not not considered free speech. Yeah. Hate speech. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you would think that for those who champion free speech, they'd be on Jameel Hill's side. Yeah. Oh, but no, because free speech is only for white people. Case in point. Mm -hmm. The Miss America pageant. Mm. So Miss Texas. Oh, yeah. Yes. Miss Texas. Um. In, an, in her answer to a question about white supremacists in Charlottesville, uh, said without pause, quote, I think that the white supremacist issue was very obvious, that it was a terrorist attack, attack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that President Donald Trump should have made a statement earlier addressing the fact and in making sure all Americans feel safe in this country. That is the number one issue right now. Yeah. Now... She got praise from the media. Yeah. She was lauded by the media. She got a You Go Girl by feminist magazines. Yeah. Where were those feminist magazines but Jameel Hill? Yeah. Yeah. Nowhere. So, again, free speech is only for white people. But the idea of free speech and the idea of, of, of reporters not speaking out is based on this idea of objectivity. And what the article in Refinery 21, 29, sorry, that I'm referencing is that there's a belief that members of the media should be objective, an ethic that's complicated in the age of social media when journalists are encouraged to build a social media following. Controversy often brings the retweets and the followers, but this also underscores the tension between needing to build a personal brand as reporters are, are freelancers mm-hmm. and the demands of the employee, the employer to sub, submit to their brand, which is what you see the ESPN Jamili Hill thing right. going on. Well, and Toronto Star. And, and Toronto Cole. Star and Desmond Cole. Um, I'm wondering how that plays out with the Globe and Mail, Margaret Wente, though. Well, yeah, or like basically anybody on Fox News. Yeah. Or the rebel media. Exactly. Well, that's different because those, like, the rebel and Fox are built based on the premise that they are conservative-leaning and... So, like, if one of their people, though, was, like, like did a left-leaning public thing... Well, th- this is exactly the Tommy Lauren issue is when right. she was on The Blaze, she said that she was pro-choice and they fucking fired her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it goes, I guess, both ways. But. Exactly. Yeah. So, and the objectivity myth is basically the results of newsrooms being homogeneous. So mm-hmm. male and white. Mm-hmm. And so what was in this article, which I thought was very illustrative, was that 
if you are a white male covering Charlottesville. Yeah. Versus if you're a black woman covering Charlottesville. The idea that each person would be as objective as possible is not based in reality. And the more that we decide that objectivity is the pinnacle of news reporting is the more you're going to get this type of friction in the social media era. And so what they're saying is that instead of instead of the media striving to be objective, mm-hmm. why can it can't it be balanced, fair? So for example, it's the difference between equality and equity, right? Mm-hmm. A balanced report, a fair report will take stock of what happened before, what led to certain events, for example. Yes. Equality is basically two events happening and being judged for their outcome only treat all treat all articles the same that's right treat all people the same treat all articles the same yada 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 comments well i think you know publications like you know even though their leadership is large i would guess predominantly more liberal like organizations like the New York Times, Washington Post, um, to a degree, parts of BuzzFeed, um, and then in Canada, tr- they like the Global Mail tries and the wa- Toronto yeah. Star try. Yeah, I think they do more of the kind of like in their news reporting is very kind of balanced in fact. Based. Mm-hmm. The problem is now we live in this era where everything that you disagree with is fake news. Right. So, you know, people s- twist facts on Facebook or, you know, f- um, sites like Fox News or um, even MSNBC and NBC are guilty of doing this where it's a little more left leaning. But, like, the left and liberals don't have the same type of quote-unquote propaganda machines as the right does. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I, this is the <laughs> thing. I, I, the whole idea of objectivity is also based on um, zero emotion, and I think that is unrealistic. I, I, I just, I think that if you're good at telling a story you should at least relate some way to that story. So, but then again, like in terms of fact-based reporting, that's a more, it's it's more, it's a colder sort of. Yeah, you're giving more of a play-by-play. Exactly. Uh, To me, it kind of comes down to like bias and like um, conflict of interest kind of like, you know, like I think you should, we should strive to have biased free reporting so that, but then I think, you know, so if a if a reporter has a direct conflict of interest with a story, then, you know, maybe they shouldn't write that story. Yeah. But I think that that also comes down to, like, good newsroom management and good editors and yeah. fact checkers. Like, a lot of this kind of thing could be very easily 
you know, managed if editors and fact checkers were, you know, closely involved and paying attention and, you know. But then you probably need to hire more people. Well, then there's the problem because you've got places like the New York Times who are getting rid of, like, all of their public editors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or their copy editors, right? Like. Well, yeah, and then it comes down then you to, go like, to the, then you've got, like, the Toronto Star and, like, the Globe, they who you outsource it to companies, and then you get shit like the Liam McLaren thing. Yeah. With her and her tits, like, trying to feed a baby who, when she's not lactating. That was the weirdest thing ever. That is so odd. There was just, like, like I, what? Like, what possessed her to write that story? Like, there are things that happen in my brain, and then I do, that then I wouldn't write. About. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, anyway, I see what you're saying though, Erica. That you know, there's there's this objectivity, and and for sure, like it was ridiculous that that Miss Texas or whatever was like, you know, she got white feminist ally cookies. She yeah. did. Oh, yes. You know, that's exactly yeah. it. And as usual, black women take the burden. Yeah, as yeah. usual. And and that's why like this this story, this this Refiner 29 story which I thought was great, touched on so many things for me. Yeah. And I I feel as though um it's now I'm thinking maybe white women really need to be more vocal because in terms of resistance because I'm like, well, if you're going to get feminist ally cookies, then go forth. Yeah, yeah. Say whatever you fucking want to mm. say. Yeah. 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 Um, sorry, I just want to do a quick correction. Okay. The XFL was not owned by Donald Trump. It was the USFL. Oh, well, I've never uh, even heard well, of that. Well, which is different. Okay. Yes. Okay, well, the XFL was also weird. Yeah. And the, the USFL, I've The USFL read. was basically, like, very similar to the, the NFL, but, like, kind of shitty. It was for people who couldn't make it in the NFL. Kind of like a, like a farm. Basically, like the that, C- it was a yeah. CFL. Isn't that what the CFL is for? Like, why? No. So like we have, we have, well, we've got the has-beens, because we've got, like, we had Ocho Cinco. Yeah, that's Did true. We? I think Cash yeah, played for the Alouettes. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, great. <laughs> Oh, there you go. There you go. Chad. So I think that uh, wraps up This Week in Feminism. Yeah. Really? Neat. Yeah. Good. Good Good talking, everybody. Yay. <laughs> Great work. Yay. Now I, have to go, All right. now I have to go eat my keto lunch. Okay. I will take a break and we'll be back for rent and receipts. <laughs> All right, so now we're moving on to rent and receipts, segment two. Bailey, you want to get us started? Sure. So uh, this week, I've got a bit of a downer. Um, well, so we're going to start down and maybe go just up. go downer. 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 It's a descent to hell. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Okay, great. This is going to be so fun. Um, <laughs> so... Anyway, so I'm going to talk about Wab Kanu, who was recently elected leader of the Manitoba NDP. Um, indigenous guy. People were pretty jazzed about him getting elected. He's done a lot of great work in the community. Um, and then this week it came out that his ex-girlfriend, Tara Hart, um, had had been assaulted by him. There was so there was, He had been charged with two counts of assaulting her in 2003. The charges were stayed in 2004. 
Um, Wab Kanu has repeatedly denied the accusations. He keeps telling people that the case was dropped and that he never, like, I guess, was convicted of these assaults. Um, and then Hart, uh, the woman who was assaulted, continues to say that she was assaulted. Um, and her family and friends stand by her as well. So her, her mother said about Wab Kanu, I want to be his friend. I want to forgive him. But if Wab Kanu would come out and say, yes, I did that, forgive me for what I did to us as a family and women, you know, I could do it. But he's denying it. So He'll never do that. That's he, It's t- almost too late for him to do that. Yeah. yeah. Because he's now leader and of the Manitoba NDP. And so he has, you know, denied these allegations for so long that for him to be like, oh, actually, I'm sorry. Even yeah. if it was a private conversation, they're obviously going to go to the media. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, Tara Hart at this point is saying that she wishes that it never came out. And, you know, she kind of, I think, it sounds like she's feeling really re-victimized by all of this. Yeah, because she didn't put this back in the conversation. It was, I think, someone found it from opposition research. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she didn't even, she she didn't, didn't, she wasn't. So somebody outed her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Which is not cool. Yeah, I think that that's, people need to remember that when they're outing someone who's been charged with assault, they're also outing the person that they've assaulted. Maybe it's that objectivity that we're talking about. Yeah, That's, that may be a problem. Yeah. So, I mean, Wab Canoe's faced some criticism in the past. He used to be a rapper and his... Excuse me, Wab <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yeah. was, he was, was not mm, good. Yeah. Uh, so, but of course, as part of this, like, um, I guess, like, stereotypical hip-hop culture, he a lot of his content was misogynistic and homophobic. Um, so he has apologized for those comments in the past. Um, so then, of course, that now brings us to the federal NDP race, and Jagmeet Singh and Nikki Ashton have both weighed in on this. Mm-hmm. Nikki Ashton says she believes Tara Hart unilaterally. Women don't come forward. Um, she always says you have to believe women who come forward with their experiences of gender-based violence, of sexual violence, domestic violence. Um, so she is saying believe survivors. Jagmeet Singh um, said, I have no difficulty saying with great conviction that I do believe survivors. For me, there is no difficulty in saying that. We have to address gender-based violence. But he also said, I am so honored to have the support of my friend and brother, Wab Kanu, um, on September 11th. So, so my question, I, and I actually should say also, Senator Marie Sinclair has now called this conversation a witch hunt and saying that, um, by, you know, looking to Wab Kanu's past and, and talking about his allegations of domestic violence, this has now turned into a witch hunt. So I, 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 I don't know. This is how do we what do we do? Like there are people there are a lot of men in caucus right now who I'm sure have been assaulters at some point in their There's lives. There's been a lot of even allegations of sexual harassment ac- yeah. I- across all parties in, in the House of Commons. Exactly. And like, these are still men who are doing quote unquote good things in our communities. Like, I think there's a lot of Indigenous people who would say that Wab Canoe has done great things for the Indigenous community. I totally... <sighs> Like, so how this, do we, do like we it, hold them accountable? Do like, we ask for an apology? Like, I think, how do we? He was, 
like he, the the I think the assault and the rapping were kind of around the same period of time in his mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. which is I think his earlyish twenties. Yeah, and so like. Well, and he has said he wasn't a good person at that time. Yeah, I feel like he went through a lot of shit in this sense, like maybe growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, what were you gonna say, Erica? Um, I feel this. Uh, I feel the torn. If you're an if you're an indigenous woman right now, and you see Wabkinu a certain way, I feel torn. Yeah, because he really is something special in terms of what he can do to further indigenous yes. rights. Yeah. Awareness of issues. Awareness of issues. Yep. You know, all of this. I do think he and Jagmeet Singh, when when I saw that that quote, I, I said, I thought, yeah, I see how this is forming. Like I feel like there's this this kind of newish kind of people of color who are mm-hmm. coming on the come up yeah. and they represent a certain um, generation, yeah. especially a generation of us whose parents came here in like maybe late seventies and eighties. And, you know, now we're grown. Yeah. Right. And we're like first generation or second or however they name it. Yeah. Um, Canadian. So, but on the other hand, Again, these are all men. Yeah. These are all men of color. Yeah. Not women of color. Yeah. So do they crowd out that space by really ignoring the issue? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is which is great because this is a great segue to the next one. But yeah. Anyway, we're still talking about this, but the point is, is that, is that, you, on one hand, you want to say that. As an indigenous leader, you know, we want to see great things from you. But on the other hand, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And at what point was Bill Cosby looked at that way? Yeah. That's my question. Yeah. So I wonder. I, like... I struggle with this all the time race versus gender. I struggle, struggle, struggle. So this is like a personal, like I can relate is my point. Yeah. 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 So like I I take what you're saying, Erica. My question is that like we, in the criminal justice system and like if you're, particularly if you're into like restorative justice, um, you want to not, like we're not trying to be tough on crime. Right. So we know that that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So we want to try to show some level of forgiveness and give people the benefit of the doubt. To yeah. give them a second shot. Yeah, so mm-hmm. why should we treat someone who made bad decisions in their 20s, who admits that they were going through a difficult time in that point in their life, why should we not give them a second chance when they have shown to our knowledge that they have, quote-unquote, reformed themselves? Right. Well, I guess, so then my question is, do we know that he's reformed himself? If he's we, an ab- we don't. if he's an abuser, you know, and and I think yeah, like I think maybe I would feel better about this if when these allegations came out, he did say, you know what, I did, I I I I I want people to believe women. So yeah, you know, if he had made, if he he should make some sort of statement about like believing women and whatever, and, that would make I think a tone much better. Yeah, and saying like you know. 
<laughs> I, yes, I was charged with these things. Um, in, in my case, it was dropped. However, it caused me to really reflect on how I was treating the women in my life. And I did this step, this step, this step, this step in, in changing that around to make sure that this would never happen again. Right. Yeah. And then and then I would feel like, OK, like you understand what the issue exactly. is. Exactly. And then I think then I would be fine with him being in a position of leadership because I would say, well, well now he has a platform to do good things. Well, and doing that shows leadership. Yeah. Right. I, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. And if it were if like he, <laughs> if I were advising him. I would be like, you need to nip this in the bud. And you you need to come out and say, you know what? I fucked up. Yeah. And as a man, I did not realize X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Okay? And going forward, I would like to say that I believe women. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah. I think that is totally, totally legitimate. Yeah. But... We're still playing by these old style rules of politics where you admit nothing or this, these yeah. old style rules of media where you admit nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's bullshit because you end up looking fake like yeah. Justin Trudeau. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, sorry, but he's starting to look fake while he started a while ago. But <laughs> this is but the reason is, is because you now there's always going to be this cloud over him there's always going to be an asterisk next to his name whereas i feel as though if he came out and said exactly what you were talking about we could a join a larger conversation and b it would have been a conversation that probably would have moved the needle forward yeah and we gave that up he gave that up he gave up the leadership on that issue I think particularly, too, because there's a crisis of safety for Indigenous women in this country, and Manitoba has one of the very highest rates of violence against Indigenous women that, like, you know, he could have really, I don't know, like, I think he just, he could have done so much better. Yeah, but that's why he should have done that, is because, like, and I'm going to segue into the next one, because I think, I think my rent and receipts plays on this, too. Yeah. And basically, it's from... Very Smart Brothers, which I <laughs> love, love, love. And it was probably the bravest thing I'd read all week, which is um, great. Now I can't find it. Right. Which is basically that black men to black women are what white people are to black people. And what it means is that black men have um, have a privilege that is male privilege within the black community that we don't talk about. And basically, the privilege is male, being male, and being looked after, to be honest, within the community. Hmm. So it is basically... um, when you think about black people, you think about black people's relationship to whiteness. However, mm. with black women and black men, um, it's not unlike whiteness, the relationship of whiteness to black people, which just underscores the privilege is relative. Okay, yeah. so where this ties in to Wab 
canoe is that black women are victims of violence like aboriginal women or indigenous women sorry Mm -hmm. are victims of violence in canada so but oftentimes the perpetrators are your r kelly's Mm. And I will say your ushers, okay? I will put usher in there. Chris Brown. And your Chris Browns Mm. and so on that nobody within the black community will talk about because the idea is you're ruining their lives Hmm. by speaking out about their violence towards black women. And so what happens is you have a very unsafe environment for black women And a lot of it has to do with how black men are treating us or how they let just just the violence against black women just slide. Hmm. And so now that I see it like within the black community, I almost want to say to indigenous people, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Don't let it go. Actually, now I'm talking myself into a position. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure before. I started out with that. And now I'm like, no, because what it does is it breeds this this belief that that you can do no wrong. Yeah. And that's the problem is that that entitlement can be bred into marginalized people, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I like since I'm white, I'm going to (laughs) not weigh in on that exactly. Um, But I think that. You know, as white people, that's why it's so important that, like, when we're doing the ally work to lift up communities of, of you know, of color and who are marginalized, that we're, we're not playing into those tropes either, right? Like, I think there was, yes. like, the Stephen Harper government talking, when they were questioned about the missing and murdered Indigenous women, like, are they going to do an inquiry and everything, a lot of their rhetoric was like, well, most of this violence is happening within indigenous communities. It's family violence from indigenous men to indigenous women. So, yeah. So, like, what do you need an inquiry for? You know, and I, that just... That's racist. Exactly. It is, yeah. And it just plays right into, like, terrible racist stereotypes. And it lets white people get off with being like, well, that's in, that's in those communities. Although we do know that there is a great, is a huge connection between the police... Mm-hmm. and the safety of Indigenous women the, in a negative way. Well, yeah. So exactly. I think we should be looking at that sort of on its own. Yes. Actually, mm-hmm. coming to think about it, the police the police in Canada need a rewrite. They need to be examined like... Um, I don't, they really do need to be examined, like a prostate exam. <laughs> That's the way they need to be examined. <laughs> Because well, I, I don't know on their business. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know how how they're allowed to get away with it. And we just want to pat ourselves on the back and say, look at the United States. It's because they've they have come up in the same stereotypes and racist tropes that we have that domestic violence and gendered violence happens in quote unquote those communities. And so they write it off as being like, well, you know, communities of color I don't like police don't have to get involved and we don't have to take that as seriously because it's you know, black on black crime exactly yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and mm-hmm. that is I think it's racist and it's it's an implicit bias in policing that nobody wants to talk about because it's uncomfortable to talk about race and so they are not talking about it 
and they're not discussing like these these racist stereotypes that we've all grown up with and thinking about how that affects our policing and our public policy yeah i mean all police forces across north america kind of need a all police forces are not all police forces you know what i wouldn't fucking say all of them (laughs) All of them. Yeah, all of them. All, all of them. them. And them and do. it's fair. To, it's fair. Even if you don't want to like bring the whole sort of identity politics into it, it is fair that with a change in technology alone, it, but secondly, a change in the economy, a change in 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 the demographics mm-hmm. of of your citizenry, you should be doing an internal investigation about how your police force responds to violence, to their calls, how they interact with different communities. Once the communities change, you need to redo all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And once the generations change, you need to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry for my rent in the seats that I now mm-hmm. I'm like now I'm like I should have brought how Hillary Clinton's losing black women or lost black women. Sorry, the Democratic Party <laughs> is losing <laughs> black women. But I <laughs> No, I mean I think like, you know, part, I'm totally cutting we have that. to have we have to have the difficult conversations, right? Even when they're like But that's my but my us. point That's the whole point. Uh, yeah. But the point of bringing that up <laughs> is that yeah, she's losing them because the generations have changed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So she has not re- done the work to establish relationships with that generation. Yeah, she's not resonating. Right. So police forces need to do the same thing, mm-hmm. is my point. That's yeah. why I brought it up. Totally. All right. Well, Aaron, so- <sighs> take us to the promised land. Further on our descent into the seventh circle of Hades. Yeah, because you know what? <laughs> Everyone's going to fucking at me. And you know what? I don't even give a care. I feel like we're getting some ads this weekend. Ooh. I <laughs> don't even give a fuck because I've been thinking about this for a very long time. Ooh. Okay. And finally, someone put it in writing. Ooh. Nice. So this comes from uh, the CBC from uh, an op-ed titled Excommunicate Me from the Church of Social Justice, an activist's plea for change. So the, the overarching question of this piece is, when we're working on issues of social justice, how much should we fight for purity in the issue versus progress? Hmm. So uh, one quote from the, the story is, There is an underlying current of fear in my activist, queer, and trans people of color communities. It is separate from the daily fear of police brutality, discrimination, or street harassment. It is the fear of appearing impure. I've had countless hushed conversations with friends about this anxiety and how it has led us to refrain from participation in activist events and conversations (laughs) because we feel inadequately radical. So I, I think this is a conversation that needs to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a conversation that should happen more wide than the conversation we're going to have now um, because like, I think this is a, a huge contributing factor as to why so few men are willing to identify themselves as feminists uh-huh. because they just are like, okay, well, we're just going to get a barrage of comments and tweets and fighting and Facebook messages that it's just not worth the time. And mm-hmm. it's just easy. It's easy for them to kind of just withdraw from the conversation. 
Um, but so I I follow people on Instagram, on Twitter, and I'm friends with people on Facebook who post things about you know feminism and equity and equality and like intersectionality and most of the time I agree with what they're saying but there are instances where I disagree with them or I have a question about what they've written because I'm like want to clarify because they didn't explain it in a way that made sense to me because they made a lot of assumptions yeah because they had previously had this a conversation on that topic and just assumed that everyone knew what was in their head um, but I, I don't always feel like it's a safe place to engage in that discussion because I don't want to have that person and all the people, like all of their friends and followers to jump on me and question my role as a feminist or mm. as an ally. And I think that's a really negative thing to have. And you're just like, oh, well, like I have a question as to like why this is an issue, but I'm just not going to engage in it. I'm not going to become a better feminist because I don't want to have to deal with all those assholes like who are just like are aggressive and confrontational and not open to a discussion and they just want to fight you. Hmm. Um, and so like I understand that there's a difference in perspective between like people who are like very pure activists and those who are kind of within the system, um, you know, activists generally want and expect kind of a, a full scale change at once at a drop of a hat. But the reality is, you know, as someone who works in in a re really big system that that's not the way change happens. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm in the middle of reading Hillary Clinton's book and she uses a good example that when she was running for president, um, she met actively with the Black Lives Matter activists and in a conversation with them, they, they couldn't reach a consensus because like the Black Lives Matter activists wanted her to be very pure and like full scale in their change. She's like, well, that's not how government works. Oh, please. She did not come off like that. Okay. <laughs> no, this is like a private conversation. Like, yeah. 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 Just like... But like, she's like, she's like, as someone who she like says that she used to be an activist, she's like, I understand that there yeah. was. We're getting all the eye rolls from Erica, but yeah. I, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me just say that, um, I don't believe Hillary, okay? I, I don't. I don't trust her. I, I think that the way she handled them on tape that we all saw really was her true colors. Hmm. I, I don't trust her. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, Hillary Clinton found feminism when Bernie came along. So I'm kind of like, sorry, Hillary. But she has shown us that she's a hawk. She has shown us that she cares about getting elected. She cares about, she doesn't, she doesn't, I don't think Hillary Clinton really cares about women's rights as much as people think she does. I'm sorry, I don't. Yeah. And it's not me being pure. It's me looking at when, number one, when she decided she was going to become a feminist. Hmm. Just like when she decided she was going to have a heart in the 2008 election was when Obama was winning. So when somebody else is winning, she becomes a human being. And I don't, and she has a history of that. I also remember her and Geraldine Ferraro and all of those white feminists coming for Obama. I remember that. So there is a history with her that where where I don't trust her. Okay, but that was okay, a conversation that's about Hillary yeah, Clinton. Yeah, I mean, on the, to <laughs> but, the broader uh, issue. But but that but that does hit on the broader issue. Is that I don't expect Hillary Clinton to be a purist. I expect her to sort of be real. 
and realer than she tries to pretend she is. And that's part of the problem is that you have people coming into the space who have intentions that are just Piers Morgan-like, for Mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. So now you have to decide whether or not this person is for real or whether or not they're trying to hurt you. Yeah. And I think that is very real. Well, and I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think that there are people, like, I think there are male allies who use the language of feminism to, like, pick up. Oh, yeah. You know? We've talked about those before. Yeah, right. exactly. And so, like, again, it's not about wanting them to be pure. It's about, like, calling out bad intentions when they're there, you know? And, like, so... Like, I, I also, I do see, I do see what the article is getting at. Like, you know, I, I worry about that for myself that like, you know, I, I came to be a feminist later in life. In grade 12, I told my law teacher that I wanted to be a trophy wife. Like that was my, and now of course I said all I want to do is stay home and take care of kids and do weaving. So I still maybe <laughs> do want to be a trophy wife, but like, you know, I was not a feminist in high school and I did come to it way later. So you know, if I was running for politics, somebody could come from my high school and be like, fuck her. She's not a feminist. Like, she used to slut shame girls and she was I, a mean girl. And she I, was, Yeah, you, know? you could say the same thing about me. So, like, for sure, I came to it later. And, and like, so I, I don't think it's about when someone comes into a movement. But I do think, like what you said with Hillary, I think it's about their intentions for joining that movement. It's a trust issue. And we all have to trust that each other's on the you know, on a certain level of understanding, right? Yeah. Or else for for trans people especially, that can mean death. Yeah. The yeah. consequences are very real. So they have to be sort of like in this in this this walled garden, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they have to be that safe. And they have to do that. Because yeah. they could end up dead. And this is what I keep saying to people is that it's not the fact that, listen, there are things about me that people are going to be like, really? Really? I'm no purist. I have said this so many times. <laughs> How many times have I said that? Yeah. I actually believe in the free market. I'm a dirty capitalist. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, but on the other hand, I mean, I think that be, it's, it's not that people, the other thing too is that people come to this like they already know. And they come into the social justice space like they're woke. And they come, and when they ask questions, they don't ask questions, they accuse. Mm. I really do think that it has to do with how you approach a space. Because I know in my experience, when, when people who are not of color approach me, it's usually in a mansplaining, whitesplaining sort of way. And that gets me on my back end. Yeah. So you're not going to get a constructive conversation with the... I think I tweeted something about Jane Fonda and how great she looked at the Emmys, and somebody came up and talked about how she's a communist. And I'm like, dude, What does let that do me, anything? Right? I'm <sighs> like, dude, let me have this. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I just... I think, I think we need all types, right? Like, I think there are people who are... Like, when I was working in domestic... Well, like, in doing violence against women activism in Ottawa, I was having... We were working with the police, right? And so, you know, to work within these huge systems, you do have to be more tempered in your language. 
But then I also believe that there is a place for these very radical activists who are not working within systems to push from the outside That's right. to get it going. Yeah. They know? are the pressers. Yeah. They're the ones who press that system, yeah. who force that system yeah. to have and to adapt. Absolutely. We do need both sides. You do. You do. Yeah. But I, I think what I challenge in terms of this premise is that it's about purity. I don't think it's about purity. I think it's about being real. And a lot of people, we we're, were just talking about Wapkinu. Mm -hmm. A lot of a lot of people will forgive, and I use that in air quote, quotes. In air quotes, yeah. If they think you're being real about it, if they think that you actually come to a place and you're like, look, yo, I used to think X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. I'm confused now. I have no idea. I remember be, watching Bill Maher before he used the N word. <laughs> and there was a black woman on there and she taught she recounted a story about how she was on like fox news of all places mm -hmm. and she's like and there was a caller who called in and he said you know what i just want to be a better american how do i do that mm -hmm. i'm not good right now and i know it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you come to people with a little humility you're right kendrick was right <laughs> humility and and it's amazing what doors can be opened. Yeah, well, but Kendrick used a lot of misogyny uh, in his there you fight go. for racial equity, right? Well, so, again, I mean, which brings me back to my yeah. to my gender versus race. The yeah, yeah, yeah the the yeah. gender versus race yeah. and the whole idea of um, privilege. Yeah, and who has privilege in a certain space, and these issues. I don't expect people to be perfect. Yeah. But I expect you to come in wanting to listen. Yeah. And I keep saying this. I keep saying this. Listen. But it's not, I, don't, I don't even think it's even like people coming to like you and the three of us who were like are very openly like not perfect mm -hmm. in on these issues. But like people who consider that like the three of us, for example, going to other people who consider themselves to be perfect and like just being shut down. Mm -hmm. like how do we balance that how do we like like how do you call yourself a feminist bailey when you think blah 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 yeah how do you so okay i'll give you an example how do you call yourself an intersectional feminist mm -hmm. who on facebook says they quote feel really cool and smug fake tapping their their uh, bus pass until they realize that they're excited because the victory is that they don't have to they've preserved you know 40 percent of their liquid assets and not having to pay for bus fare but that bus fare goes back into the transit system. It provides low-income people with access to transit. Mm -hmm. It means that fares aren't going up. Yeah. So how do you respond to something like that without getting shit on? Well, uh, I and don't like know. it's it's I like mean, and obviously it's wouldn't. part of like picking your battles. <laughs> but like yeah. in those instances where like they want perfection from like the three of us, but yet they're not being perfect. But we can't call them out because it's not quote-unquote safe like i feel more i feel safer going into the fucking trump people on my feed and being like that's fucking bullshit and getting into a debate with them than i do commenting something on something like that mm -hmm. so what's the question <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think i think within the feminist community and i think it goes back to how we grow up and and sort of the the like things that we absorb you know before we're we're taught critical thought but like 
you know, I think that there's a lot of lateral violence within activist communities because because we've experienced oppression. And so like it's pretty easy to like lash out towards other people who you know are also fighting the good fight, but mm-hmm. in a way that's not perfect to you because we've just that's just sort of the default that we're used to, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but I feel like that kind of like explains why it happens, maybe, yeah. you know? I I go back to the Hillary moment. I really do. <laughs> because I think this is a really good example. Yeah. Um Hillary went or Black Lives Matter invaded her $1,500, date. And I remember specifically how she talked down to them. And I said to myself, that's the real Hillary. And um, I think that, I think that, and, and don't get me wrong, like, if you're, so for example, if you're Lauren Duca, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who is obviously problematic, Mm-hmm. But she is a staunch feminist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you say nothing to is her? Is she a then? staunch feminist? Well, she listen. She would call herself. She, w- that. she calls herself. She built her brand on it. Right, right. Yeah. So now, do what do we do with someone like Lauren Duca? Do we either because we either say nothing, yeah, or um, we being the ones who would challenge her, yeah, yeah, because. It depends on who has the power in the space. That's what it is. Hmm. Oh my hmm. gosh, that just hit me. Because Lauren Duca has the power. As a white woman. No, well, as and having, a platform. She and has a, a power, because she has mm-hmm. a platform. Her Twitter feed is a platform. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a bigger platform. She's verified, she, you know, <laughs> so there. But it's a bigger platform because she has more followers and she, and she, plays out in Teen Vogue in a huge mm-hmm. market. Yeah. So it depends on who has the power in the, uh, that's a factor. Okay. See? I just came to enlightenment. I mean, I, <laughs> I guess, but like, Lauren Duke and I had an interaction a couple of weeks ago and I had the power in the situation. Well, there you go. She was a thirsty little girl in our interaction and like wanted me to validate her so bad Right. And then when I gave her what she wanted, she was done. Yeah. Uh, and like. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to. I don't really know how to phrase this. So I'm just going to say it. Uh, like as a white feminist. And Lauren Duke and I are you mean on like the same white, level there. You mean white as in like white skinned and not necessarily quote unquote like the trope of white feminism. Right, right, right. Um, Which just goes to show. Skin color may not be about skin color, but an attitude. Okay. Yeah, like I think that you're always walking as like a white woman in these spaces. Like, you know, when when you say something about communities of color and then that, that community of color calls you out and is like, what the fuck? Then, then yeah, then you are like, like I can see how she would be seeking validation from you in that scenario because then you'd be like, Oh no! Like, am I gonna get called a racist? You know? Yeah, but and she like, didn't respond to people of color, yeah, women of color. Yeah, yeah. Well, she did with yeah, Aaron, but with Aaron, but but you know, like, yeah, because she didn't like my mean joke. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I just feel like, yeah, I don't know. This is a this is a hard question, Aaron. Yeah. So at me, and we'll fight, or like email us, and we'll. But I don't talk think anybody it. should be pure. I don't think I think I that's think, an I don't unrealistic think, expectation. I, I think it's an unrealistic expectation, be. but I think that like 
if we're like being pure, one is boring, two, it means you're not interested in learning and evolving and adapting and changing. I think with, if, yeah, in your mind you think you are pure, then that's where you're not interested. Yeah. Like I think we can always strive mm-hmm. for sure. more purity. Yeah, we strive to be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I just, I just talked about, you know, indigenous issues i'm not versed in indigenous issues Mm -hmm. but what what did i say i'm like look if i'm wrong at me let me know yeah Yeah. right so again that's me coming into a space that's not my lane me acknowledging that it's not my lane and me saying yo if i'm wrong correct me yeah you have to be a bit I think just being open-minded and like listen, being willing to like listen to yeah. people who are willing to have like a, a mature, empathetic conversation. With That's you. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Getting defensive is no, not productive. At no. All. In any sort of communication. And, and that's why I think calling in rather than calling out is also a better way to approach things. Yes. Like, I think it takes on both sides, people willing, like, are you, do you, are you arguing because you think you're right? Or are you arguing so that you can reach a higher level of knowledge? Right. You know, and yeah. that's the difference. <laughs> Should we talk about the misogynist of the week? Oh, fuck. Guess who wins this week? Ugh. Jerry Ritz. Of yeah. course, he's a conservative. Conservative MP. So, he's yeah. on his way out. Yeah, he's retiring next week. Or so, no, in a week. So online. what do you want, fanfare? I don't know. I anyway, guess he just doesn't GIF Jerry Ritz anymore. is an oh, MP yeah. from Saskatchewan in the House of Commons in Canada. He is in the Conservative Caucus, retiring in like on October second, and uh, this week, in an interaction with a follower of his on Twitter, mm-hmm. he referred to our Minister of Climate Change or Environment and Climate Change, Catherine McKenna, a woman with a law degree, with yeah. the Liberal Party, as Climate Barbie. Yeah. Well, and, like, I mean, that was so dumb. And, it, uh, like, also what's annoying about this is that then, you know, she was forced, and people that have talked about this have been forced to, like, then give all of her qualifications about why she's not, like, a quote-unquote, like, bimbo airhead Barbie or whatever. Yeah. And it's so stupid. Like, she, it, like, even if she didn't have a law degree, obviously the government believes, the prime minister believes that she is a good minister to be the climate change minister. So, like, there she is. Yeah, and so like the climate Barbie actually has been co- was coined by Rebel Media, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. which like is in- increasingly problematic because the Conservative Party is increasingly trying to distance themselves from the rhetoric yeah. spewed by yes, or they're intending to separate themselves. <laughs> well, and I think there were I mean there were some Conservative MPs who came out and told him that was totally inappropriate. Yes, um, like there's that. Uh, Michelle Michelle Rempel Michelle Rempel and she has also been the subject of a lot of racism or not sorry not racism sexism in uh, like people are always talking about her in inappropriate sexist ways so she was like this is not cool um, but I mean which I I I'm thankful that she commented but I think if it had been the other way around like a liberal commenting on a conservative she would have been pissed. 
Like she would have had like a tweet storm. She wouldn't. She would still be talking about this in the House of Commons. Oh, you mean like she like said yeah. something, but like didn't really cross party lines. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. What did Andrew Shearer say? He released a statement. Like so, it happened on like a Monday. It kind of blew up around like <laughs> Monday night around like mm-hmm. 10 p.m. Yeah. And uh, he didn't release a statement until like Wednesday, Tuesday afternoon, oh. some weird time. Um, it was very bizarre. Hold on, let me just find the time. He All released right. it 6 a.m. September 21st ish. He says, as a father of th- father of three daughters. So it was Thursday, I guess. So yeah, because yeah. it happened yeah. Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't so know. So it took him forty eight hours. It took like a, an unreasonably long time. Yeah, it took a long time. He said the the statement was, as a father of three daughters, I want to ensure that gender based stereotypes have no place in Canada or in Canadian politics. The me- demeaning words used by the member were inappropriate, and he has rightly apologized. Blah 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 blah. I'm sorry, the father of three daughters? What about as, like, you know, uh, a human? Well, remember, his wife is the biggest feminist ever, and she's the one who gets the most upset when people get... This guy's not ready. Can we just say that? He's just, he's just, he's not, he's not ready for prime time. And the reason is, is that if it takes you 48 hours to friggin' release a statement, I don't know what's wrong with your PR team or your crisis management or whatever, but you need to get that shit sorted as the official opposition. Yeah, it's not a hard stance to take. It's not difficult. So why wasn't it, why wasn't it within the first 24? and the thing is like, as a father of three daughters, (laughs) like how about just as a human, for other humans. As a Canadian politician yeah. who wants to support women in politics in Canada. Yeah, and he drank a beer and told Chatelaine he was a feminist. The pills are the prairie, the, the champagne know. of the prairies. Yeah, yeah. so like <laughs> I'm going to hold him to that. So anyway, Jerry Ritz, what an old fucking weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> what an old fucking weirdo. <laughs> They've got some real rogue MPs. There's They've got some in, problems. There's a okay. guy out in Carlton Place, too, who keeps, like, <laughs> saying all sorts of sexist shit. And they finally, I think they finally were like, okay, stop it. Like, they told him he wasn't allowed to be an MP anymore, I think, because he was mm. just, like, he he was, like, making jokes about, well, he had a fundraiser that was all men. Remember that? that and it was, like, in a barn or something. Oh, God. Anyway. Which is where they need to reside. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a. So yeah, I think they've got a few like a off few. The wall, I mean, off don't the get me wrong. Dude. I'm not saying that the. And this is not me comparing the conservatives to the liberals or anybody else, but considering, like, look at the. I gotta, I gotta say this. Look at, look at the contrast in optics over the past like couple of weeks. So you've had on on the conservative side, you had Lynn Bayek being Lynn Bayek, yeah. and not a disaster like, of life. Dis- <laughs> <sighs> Literally, like just a disaster. Of her life. hair is a disaster. Well, I just her don't... hair is as is as modern as her views. She's, okay. Yeah, she's very. It's like she's lived sort of in this weird other place or something. Like yeah, a weird like. Spin cycle. I don't he's, know. He's taking up for like, for, I know somebody's going to at me for this, but he's taking up for like taxpayers who are using like the tax system to avoid paying taxes. Yeah. And it's just like, eh. He's like, but doctors, 
do need money more it's of it. It's just like really. Yeah. And then and then the and then this this forty eight hour condemnation that should have really happened in six because I don't even know why. I don't even think he needed a messaging team for this. No, he could have just tweeted. tweeted it. That's it. From his personal exactly. Account. That okay. is not reflective of this party, and Ugh. it is not but, reflective but, of a progressive. But you have conservative that ideals. And on the contrast, in the you know, with the NDP, we're actually talking about real shit. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So when I say I feel like the NDP is more modern now than the conservatives, and the conservatives are still stuck in this this nineteen fifties trophy wife climate. Only he would think climate Barbie. Because, I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, and like, there's just like, like, there's thing... a mindset within the conservative party, especially. I'm not saying not all conservatives. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen in the other parties, but the face that the conservatives are showing us is one, ones that are out of touch. Yeah. With the greater social yes issues mm-hmm. construct. Yes the bigger sort of, of pair environment that we're in post-Charlottesville. Yeah, and I think that, like, you know, we just talked about how we aren't perfect feminists. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you need to be I'm a perfect feminist mm-hmm. 100% of the time, because that's just unrealistic. But as someone who is a veteran politician, Jerry Ritz should have known, like, one should know how the internet works. <laughs> And, and then he deleted and, the tweet and it was like, nah, honey. I was like, I've got it's like four screen screenshots. Yeah. Um, two, like he should know that that doesn't go out in public domain. Like, sure, say it in the privacy of your own caucus, in the privacy of your own home. Think it. Sure, that's not fine, but fine. Yeah. We're going to do it, then do it there. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to be the misogynist uncle, fucking do it at the dinner table, not on Twitter. Yeah. 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 Like that was just such a like massive lapse in judgment. Like, I mean, there's obviously problems at the fact that that was your go-to thought, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to get into those. Yeah. But, Mm -hmm. like, yeah. I find the conservatives, too, care more about their team than they actually do about the country. I'm I'm really starting to think that. Mm -hmm. They don't don't give a shit about Canada. Yeah. Oh, somebody's going to at me. (laughs) But it's true. It's like... It's like, oh well, he's on our team, so yeah, it was, it wasn't that great, but he's okay. Yeah, you know, and I find that that the conservatives especially are like that because they're the old men who tell you to get off the lawn, you know, mm-hmm. and you're just like, but that's wrong. Well, you know, <laughs> the liberals are raising taxes, and you're just like, that's not. <laughs> yeah anyway yeah no it's so true did you see the guy the 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 dude who came onto our facebook page and was like mm. well trudeau we we actually talked about this on the facebook page i think or I we talked know. about something like that mm-hmm. and he said well trudeau's ruining the country and you're oh, just I like missed this and i'm just like stick okay. to the fucking script yo Nobody wants to hear that. Okay, fine, whatever. Write me a fucking email. Guys. Yeah. Like, stick to the point. Write an email, you know. You should have come air on. Air your grievances. And yeah. it obviously says feminist, okay, on the page. So so you came on the page just looking to what? Be controversial? Hence, which goes back to the other point about, you know, purity and the social justice yeah. space. Because we have dudes coming on there like that, wanting to... <laughs> Oh, I just can't. 
Okay. <laughs> well, so there we go. That's... Apparently, I need to keto eat. <laughs> <laughs> That wraps up this week, I think. Okay. I think we're good. Yeah. I think we're good. Uh, so follow us on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, uh, on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Bad and B Podcast because I can't write bitch, <laughs> which still pisses me off all the time. Every yeah. time I see it, it fucking makes me mad. Yeah. Um, email us. Bad and B. Bad and Pod. At gmail.com. Couldn't write bitch there either, Google. <laughs> yeah, but Fuck. they use YouTube to radicalize everybody. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not going to write bitch in, like, in an email. No, don't write address, bitch. And then like we'll have it as like my professional email and like apply for jobs with that. That makes no sense. I don't know. <laughs> it's like hotbitch69 <laughs> at gmail.com. And you're like, hey, I saw your ad for program manager. <laughs> I'd like to be considered for that position. <laughs> I've attached my CV. Here are my references. Oh, my God. All right. That's it. That's the end Bye. of this show. Bye. 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 <laughs> my bitch is bad and bullshit.